Welcome to the Drunk Dietitians Podcast, co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, co-owner of Dietitians of Palm Valley, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. Us dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We're also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we're medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join us for our favorite casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Drunk Dietitians. I can't stop smiling. I know I can speak for Sam when I say this, but we just interviewed Aaron Flores, who is a registered dietitian and a certified body trust provider in addition to a Hayes provider, and he works in the intuitive eating space, and he is just like I could listen to him talk all day. Yes. Yes. And I think you asked him an amazing question that, you know, we talked about on our episode with Haley Goodrich. We went into like, what is thin privilege? And there was such a positive response from that of people like kind of like awakening to this and understanding what it is. And then on this episode, you know, Aaron openly talks about how he identifies as fat and what it means um, in this world of fat phobia, fat acceptance, um, which I think a lot of people hear intuitive eating and anti-diet and they're like, woo, yay. And then they hear like fat acceptance and they're like, well, wait, no, like I, I want to do intuitive eating, but fat acceptance <laughs> and what's that? And so like, I know personally that was something for me, like that was kind of like that next leaf to fall when you're, you're going through this learning and this paradigm shifting. So um, he was just so open and honest about, you know, what that is. And for people that have heard about it, haven't heard about it, want to learn about it. I think this episode is going to be amazing. And for so many of you that if this is the first time you're hearing this, stick with this episode all the way through. Aaron provides one, two, three, four, like eight different resources that are available to continue your learning. And what, where the question sparked for me is I'm listening to a new book. Um, and in the book this morning, I'm not going to tell you what it is so you listen to the whole episode, but in the book <laughs> this morning, the author asked, like, if you have any emotions coming up when you hear the word fat, that's your own fat phobia. And that really struck me. And I think that this conversation really just goes into all of the places and spaces that diet culture has impacted our entire lives. Um, And Aaron gives so much good insight and experience and resources and application. I mean, it was incredible. So Aaron, if you're listening, thank you. (laughs) We love you. Yes. And he was definitely sad that we recorded at 9am on a Monday when (laughs) we should have maybe bumped it back so we could have had some tequila on this episode, but there will, I feel like there will be a part two because now we have like so many other questions we want to ask him. Pages. Amazing. Yes. So enjoy this episode, everybody with our friend, Aaron. 
Welcome back to Drunk Dietitians. After three failed attempts at trying to record this, we are beyond excited to have Mr. Aaron Flores here with us today. Aaron, I feel like I'm like starstruck. I hear your name in books. I'm super excited to just dive into all things with you, but I'm going to quickly just read a little bio on you to introduce you to our guests. And I'm just, I have no words. I'm so excited. So Aaron Flores is a registered dietitian and has a private practice in Calabasas, California. He also works at the Center for Discovery as the senior coordinator for weight inclusive care. He uses intuitive eating and health at every size in his work to help individuals learn how to make peace with food and their bodies. And he is a certified body trust provider and also the co-host of the popular podcast, Dietitians Unplugged. He literally does everything and we are so grateful to have you here today. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so, for your patience with us this morning. Am I, am I supposed to have a drink with me too? Well, so, I have water, but... <laughs> I mean, like, if it's called drunk dietitians, shouldn't I... We we usually have drinks with us this Monday morning. It's been crazy, but if you have time to go run to your fridge and crack open your favorite beverage, let's do the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I also know it's nine, like almost nine a.m. your time right now, so we probably yeah. on vacation. So. I am on vacation. <laughs> it is five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Well, we'll get into to the rapid fire because that will help us understand if you did have a drink with you, which drink that would be. So first off for you, Aaron, coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Wine no or, okay, perfect. Wine or beer? Neither. Neither. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, so if it's a, co I mean, do you want the cocktail then? Well, the next question was going to be vodka, okay. tequila, or whiskey. Oh, tequila. Te same. What kind? Um. I'm not that picky, to be okay. honest. Like I, <laughs> I, I like, I like it all. And 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 maybe it's just like I was born in Mexico. It's just like my roots. But like I just feel like tequila is the one alcohol I actually really like. I love oh, it too. It's so good. Yeah. Highly recommend if you haven't tried it already. Casamigos. Mm -hmm. Um, it is amazing. You can just put that on ice. Maybe like a squeeze of lime, and it's just. Mm. Yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, with the tequila question, this goes good. Um, a crunchy or soft shell taco? Um, uh, soft. I mean, Mexican street taco. Okay. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. No, no, uh, yeah. Sorry. Okay, no, there, there's you, no other kind. Do you like, like the, because I feel like the true like Mexican tacos, do you like corn or flour? Oh, it's corn. Corn. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Okay. No, good. Corn tortilla, We're, a little bit of meat. And of varying species, yeah. Um, and a little bit of cilantro, and a little bit of onion, and the spiciest salsa you can handle. I am literally salivating. Next, okay, we're gonna have you on next time, and then we will become way more prepared. We will have tacos and tequila, and like all. Yeah. Of the we should record on a Tuesday. Yes, <laughs> or a Friday night, either one, whichever. Yeah. Um, okay, sand or snow? Sand. Cats or dogs? It's funny. I, I, I'm not a pet person, like, okay. I, but I guess I would say dogs. Mm -hmm. If you had to pick, right? If I had to pick. Okay. Netflix and chill or night out on the town? Netflix and chill. Awesome. Um, I'm 48. My days of night out on the town are like... <laughs> I'm dwindling. pretty sure all of our guests that we've chosen 
like all of our episodes now have been Netflix and chill. So I think we yeah. just attract a certain clientele that's like, I'm over <laughs> that. Like yeah. I'm over the going out scene. Um, crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Hmm. Uh, smooth. Ugh. Yes. I, have, <laughs> I just so outnumbered. But, but, I, but, I thought, but I thought about it because I, 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 it doesn't matter. Like, I, just, yeah. I like, it, I like yeah. peanut butter. Yeah. I like peanut butter, period. Same. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, and then the last question here. Um, if you could have one thing in your life in limitless quantities, but it can't be money, and it could be anything, what would it be and why? Limitless quantities. Oof. Um, okay, I'm going to answer twice. Perfect. Okay. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to answer like, like dietitian like with my hat on is yeah. unlimited fat acceptance um yes. and just Aaron um I'm either gonna say ice cream or um and I, I mean it is unlimited right now but like Metallica music <laughs> yes perfect like you said the answer will always be Metallica we had, we had to get always it in Metallica. there we had to get it in there yeah. somewhere Perfect. Perfect. Well, now I feel like I, I know so much about you just with the tequila and taco references, but we would love to just dive into all things you. And like we, we called you the unicorn of nutrition where you're just like a male rooted in haze and fat acceptance. And like, we are just loving everything about you. So we would love to hear, I'm sure you didn't, and I could be wrong, but I don't know your, your story of dietetics did you, were you taught haze and fat <laughs> acceptance from the beginning of your dietetic internship or how did no, you fall? No. Yeah. <laughs> Look at I, her um, face when she's saying so, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, so I went back to, um, back to school at 30 to become a dietitian. So this is my career change. Mm -hmm. And I came at this from, from a weight loss perspective. I, I had struggled with food and body pretty much my entire adult life. And I was coming to this career to tell everyone, hey, if I could lose weight, so could you. And, and I, you know, I was, I was sort of like had this idea of being like a Richard Simmons type person, right? And, and you know, being this person to sort of help people lose weight. And I figured becoming a dietitian would be the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't learn about all of this stuff until... I would say I was exposed a little bit to it at, at Cal State Northridge where I went to school, but not a lot. I mean, I wouldn't say very deeply. And it wasn't until I heard Elise Resch, the co-author of Intuitive Eating, speak at a local like professional uh, event in LA that I really started to like become more open to intuitive eating. And, and then I read it and I did supervision with her for, for years. She has a um, like a monthly group that meets in her office. And I emailed her after I read the book and I, and she invited me to join. And there were, you know, there were probably like plus or minus five to 10 people there every month. And we would just, you know, talk about cases and share news articles. And really that was my way of, of doing my own therapy, right. Of really like just sort of doing my own work on unraveling my food, um, my film, my own food rules, um, like unpacking all the, the sort of diet behaviors I was doing, 
Um, and I really tried to straddle paradigms for a long time. Uh, I was running a weight loss program at the VA for, for a good amount of years and trying to do both. And I realized finally, I just, I, I couldn't, I was doing a lot of harm to folks by doing that, including myself. And, um, and, and I had to, I had to, you know, sort of divest from, from that. And, um, I can't remember how I was first exposed to health at every size, but it was through definitely, it, it first started with intuitive eating and then, then with health at every size and, and reading Dr. Lindo Bacon's book, and then sort of doing some additional health at every size work, um, outside of the book and a lot of learning and a lot of sort of discussions and reading and listening to podcasts and things like that. And then I found about body trust just through social media. I learned about be nourished, um, which is a, a small private practice, a small pr practice group in Portland, Oregon with Hillary Canavy and Dana Sturdevant. And I had met them at a conference. I, um, we were both speaking at a conference for lay people that was put on by Jess Baker, the militant baker and who wrote land whale and things. No one tells a fat girl. And it was this conference called the body love conference. And I was doing a, a talk and they were doing a talk and we just sort of um, met there and, and developed um, a, a professional friendship. And I sort of followed more and more of their work. And when, when they announced the certification for body trust work, I was like, this sounds exactly what I would love to do. And I didn't do it in the first cohort. I joined their second cohort. Um, but it was really like amazing for me. Like it, it put um, a lot of work around social justice, around fat liberation, around um, uh, weight stigma, including health at every size, including intuitive eating principles. And it was just, you know, it was probably like that, the, in some ways, a culmination of a lot of, um, a lot of unlearning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm obsessed with that. And I recently found that website being be nourished, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just got lost in it. I mean, the information provided on that site that I just really didn't know was available for people to learn is amazing. And for those that haven't dove face first into it, like I did last week, can you explain what body trust means or what that concept, what you do with that certification for your clients? So I use it, I mean, every day in my practice. I mean, it's just whether I'm at CFD and sort of thinking about, um, you know, doing weight inclusive care or, or I'm in my private practice seeing clients, I think body trust centers a lot of the questions I ask. It centers a lot of the ways I connect with my clients. Um, you know, I, I think they, they actually just released like a sort of a new um within the past couple of weeks, maybe month or so, um, uh, a new like framework, I think around it. Um, and I could be wrong there, but like, I think, but th the way I would put it is body trust is about sort of reconnecting to, to the trust that we have in our body that we have lost through diet culture, through weight stigma, um, through, through fat phobia and allowing us to sort of deepen the roots of, of trust in our body that help us sort of build some resilience against these things that are constantly affecting us and constantly telling us that our bodies are not okay or that we shouldn't exist, um, that we need to be erased. 
Uh, and, and I think it's, it's really to me about like helping people come into their own bodies. Mm-hmm. And as a provider, I think what, what I'm really thankful for is it, it has allowed me to bring a lot of my own humanity into the room as well. And that, you know, traditional dietetics is very, to me, very stuffy um, and very like, you know, I'm over, I'm at one side of the room and you're at the other side of the room and, and um, I'm really talking down to you. And I think this framework allowed me to have more of a equal partnership with my clients. Yes. Yes. I love everything that you're saying. Um, So I'm so interested to hear like with your practice, when people find you, are they coming in saying like, I want body trust? Or are they coming in saying like, do you have a lot of people that are fresh out of diet culture and find you and are like, how do I stop dieting and build trust in my body? Do you have people that have been immersed in intuitive eating for a while? I would love to hear kind of who you work with. Yeah, it's sort of all over the place, to be honest. I think I have a lot of folks who are um, currently struggling with eating disorders. So I, I mean, that, that makes up a, a good portion. And, and then I have some folks that are maybe just like chronic dieters, right? I mean, I, th- I feel like dieting is eating disorder behavior yeah. in a lot of ways and, and maybe not diagnosable, right? But like, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities, but you know, folks who have been dieting for a long time, um, maybe all their lives and, and looking for something new, they're, they're, they're realizing this is not no longer serving me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I work with some people who are, who are already down this road a little bit, right. And, and have done some work and are just looking for, for a different perspective. Um, so it's really all over the place. I, I think one of the things that I do, no matter who my client is, is I'm really transparent about how I'm going to work with you. And there's no, um, you know, there's no bait and switch. There's no like, um, oh, but you promised I would lose weight or something like that. You know, there's no, um, there's, there's no, I'm very upfront, right? It's just like, this is how I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's really effective for my clients. You have a lot of choice in coming to see me versus someone else. And if this method might not work for you, like that's, that's okay. There are, a lot, there are other folks out there who could, who could help. Um, but I'm just very upfront with people. I guess, and I, oh, I just have so many questions. I'm like writing everything down. But for you, I think a lot of dietitians can relate to what you said in the beginning that you went into this field to fix, you know, maybe your own relationship with food, which is something I know Sam said almost word for word in our opening episode for her own story. And for me, I can relate so much, um, especially to what you said as like straddling both paradigms for a while. And so, what was your transition like? What was the last straw that was like, all right, I'm jumping over to this side. I'm forgetting the rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, the first thing is I, there, there was a lot of financial privilege uh, within that decision. And I think there's a lot of folks who can't make a, a clean jump into changing the, their career 180 um, because of the financial constraints that show up in our society. So I just want to acknowledge that piece. Um, what, what allowed me to do it is really like that I was able to find a part-time job that I knew would give me some 
hours mm-hmm. um, of work. Um, and it allowed me to sort of explore more time to developing my private practice and networking and doing some other work in the eating disorder community. And again, it was all, it was all feasible because, you know, I was using, uh, my partner had a full-time job. My partner had insurance. Uh, so I could leave a very stable job, uh, with the federal government and do something else. So it's, it's unfortunately, not an option for so many folks. So many folks have to stay within their current employment because of um, insurance, because of healthcare, because of their family, because of, you know, being, being the, the breadwinner for the family, you know, all those things. Um, so it, I was really fortunate in a lot of ways to do that. And it was really just like sort of at some point saying like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, like one, I think there's, a, there's a, I'll be honest. I mean, like, and I think it's, you know, it's, a, it, there's flaws in saying this. Um, and I acknowledge that is, you know, it, it, it didn't feel congruent with me. Mm-hmm. Right. It just, it didn't, I wasn't in alignment with what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but I think more importantly is I was, I was doing harm to people every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really was, I was really by trying to teach intuitive eating and weight loss, it was, sending a lot of mixed messages to these folks. It was, um, you know, sort of putting them and, and their goals in, in a lot of like precariousness. Um, and, and it was, you know, it was my own sort of like fear um, in many ways that kept me from, from changing. And so, you know, I just acknowledged the harm that was done. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying it like that too. I think that's something a lot of people don't recognize or just take stock in that it is a privilege to be able to change your career to something so unknown that so many people haven't bought into yet for lack of a better word. Right. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And so do you feel like, I know before we hopped on and recorded today, you said you, you do lead a group for um, professionals who are struggling with eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Do you find like with those whether it be those professionals or do you have a lot of professionals that are coming to you too saying like, how do I get into this space? Like, do you see a growing desire for that in our field? You know, it, um, yes. I mean, I think, I think the ideas of around health at every size and, um, and around like a non-diet approach um, is growing. And I think there's more people interested in it now than for sure you know, 10 years ago or five years ago. Um, so yes, I, I, I definitely feel like there's an interest. Um, I, I think that's tricky in a lot of ways, to be honest, because um, I will acknowledge, I, I, I do not consider myself an expert in any of this. Um, I, you know, have some training, I have some sort of background knowledge and, I've been, and I have some, some years under my belt, right, doing it. But I'm far from uh, an expert, right? So I step in it all the time. I make mistakes all the time around this work. And I think what I would hope for a lot of folks who begin this is, you know, it's not just, this is not just a hashtag, right? This is not just a, an approach to sort of say, oh, 
I'm not going to um, give out a, a, a low calorie meal plan to my clients anymore. I think it's, it's much deeper than that. I think it's challenging our own biases around bodies. I think it's coming to terms that we all have internalized fat phobia and that we need to work on dismantling that. Um, it's coming to terms with how, how white supremacy is, has affected our, our, our profession, dietetics, and how it affects diet culture. Um, and there's a lot of really uncomfortable conversations that, that take place as you do this work, but, or, and I'm not, that's not a, but, and it's incredibly fulfilling. Um, so I think what I'm hoping for is that as people dive into this, you know, is that they also dive into the work that they need to do to, to sort of make those other things happen because it doesn't happen with just like saying, Oh, I read a couple books and I'm here. Um, it's, it's a, I think there's a lot of, um, humility that we need to bring to this, um, work and there's a lot of, uh, unlearning. Yes. So I just started the book actually this morning, um, Body Respect by Lindo Bacon. And in there, in the first chapter or second chapter, whatever it is, she talks about how, you know, she's going to use the word fat. And if that offends you, then you have like, that's your own deep rooted fat phobias, like coming out and coming to the surface. So our episode with Haley Goodrich, where we talked about thin privilege was like so well accepted. So many people were like, oh my God, I had no idea that this was a thing. Thank you for explaining. Could you explain, if you're comfortable with it, like what is fat phobia in your words and like how you see that in the people that you're working with? Yeah. Um, just to maybe put that out there for people to understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, well, first off, that book, um, you know, Body Respect by by Bacon and Aphromore is is great. And I think, you know, it, <laughs> I, I think, there you go. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to like Trump you or I'm not even going to say that word right now. Like, no, yeah. Um, but I'm not going to one up you by showing my autograph copy. I felt that's just, that's just too rude. And I wouldn't do that on your podcast. I I wouldn't do that. Um, plus it's not right here. Um, okay. But, um, so I think that book is really important. I think it's a great read for a lot of folks. Um, I would, I would describe fat phobia as um, the the fear that a lot of folks have of 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 gaining weight and what it might what it might mean to actually be called fat and it like actually be an accurate descriptor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it it we see fat phobia in a lot of ways. We see it in parents who are so concerned when their child's growth goes up up a curve right on the growth chart um we see it in the medical profession from you know with kids at an early age like wanting to put kids on a diet because they're concerned that that they'll be in a larger body fat phobia shows up around the uh, assuming that everyone in a larger body is unhealthy um we see fat phobia in 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 really almost every aspect. I mean, we see it in movies, we see it in um, TV, we see it in social media, we see it all over the place. 
Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's underlying in our society that is really hard for people to wrap their heads around. And so, so I use the word fat all the time and I, and I identify as fat. You know, I tell people, you can call me fat. It's okay. Like Mm -hmm. that's how I would describe my body. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a descriptor. And, and why do we put so much value Mm -hmm. on that word where it, where it holds emotional context? And the reality is, is also that it does, Mm -hmm. you know, it really does. And I think for, um, for folks who are living in larger bodies, it is, it, you know, it's one of those things that like, it's, it's so hard to articulate to folks sometimes because they don't know what it's like. Um, but you know, it's, it's the, it's the thing that like, listen, if, if, if you all, if we had an experiment, right. And, and I post myself, um, a selfie on Instagram of me eating, um, this amazing ice cream sundae, right. And one week later, right. Sammy, you do the same thing, the exact same Sunday, exact same place. Right. And Jenna, you do the exact same thing a week later. Right. The reality is I might get different comments on my post than you would. Right. Um, and, and I would say I get much fewer comments on my post than a woman would mm-hmm. of the same body size. Yeah. So my male privilege affords me a lot of safety on the internet mm-hmm. in, in many ways compared to my uh, female identified counterparts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that is, that's, that's fat phobia, right? Is that like people can't see someone in a larger body eating something decadent, right? It's like, nope, you, you shouldn't be eating that. You shouldn't be doing it. Don't you know what that does? It's, um, you know, it's even, and, and I, and I, you know, don't agree with one iota of what our president has said or done in his tenure, but I won't fat shame the man. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just something that I don't think is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will call that out when I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's fat phobia is just one of those things. that's so prevalent in our society. It's hard for folks to really wrap their heads around how deep it might go. Yeah. So I guess my, that was a perfect, <laughs> perfect explanation. And, um, so my head goes to, you know, for people that are listening to this, that like we said, like everybody has internalized fat phobia, like in the culture that we live in. And it, you alluded to earlier, like a lot of this work is a lot of unlearning. So then we're able to learn. So for people who are listening, who are maybe, maybe the example that you used of that experiment, like they're like, oh my gosh, like this might be the first time they're being called out on it or maybe called into it. Um, how do they start to work towards fat acceptance or so that would be a question and, or how do you communicate with those who might comment on a post? Like, like you were using the example of you eating ice cream that they're like, you're promoting obesity, like those kind of, I hate even using that word, but like, how do you call people into this work? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. And for, uh, I'll say it, it never happens on social media. Yes. Um, I, I feel like that's not the place where 
these conversations go well in any way. So, so I'm not that active on social media and, and that, that's a lot of the reason why. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I think the first thing, I, I think reading Body Respect is, is a great entry point in for many ways because I feel like there, there, we need to start to dismantle this idea that weight and health are, are directly connected uh, because they're, they're not. Um, and, and by doing that, I think that is the, one of the first things folks can do, especially dietitians, right? Especially folks who are trained to sort of have a scientific brain, right? Is like, okay, let's push that scientific brain to look at the other side of the coin coin, excuse me, and say, and realize diets don't work. Like, why are we prescribing some intervention that the vast majority of the time is going to fail? And so shouldn't we look at other ways to help clients meet their health goals? And if we get, and, and, and by doing that, right, and getting rid of the scale in those, we can sort of start to see what behaviors are we helping what behavior changes are we helping people make that are rooted in compassion for their body in care for their body not in shame and so so that's that's number one right i think we need to sort of really dismantle this idea of health and weight and and we also need to dismantle this idea that of healthism that you know that health is under our control there are so many factors that affect our health, none of which we can control. Where we're born, our finances, our race, our gender, you know, um, you know, the amount of trauma that we experience in our lives. We can't control any of that. So assuming that health is 100% in our control and 100% our responsibility is, is really flawed thinking. It leads to this idea that if you're alive, you must be striving towards perfect health 100% of the time. And if you're not, you're a failure. And that's, that's incredibly wrong, right? I mean, that, that is what is erasing people. That is what is saying, you know, you're not allowed to struggle. You only, it leads to this like good fatty syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Which is like, I'm only allowed to be fat unless I'm trying to, only when I'm trying to work on shrinking my body. And, and, you know, the reality is fat bodies have existed all throughout time. And there will always be fat bodies in this world. And that's okay. So, so that's one, right? Like looking at health and science and looking at um, those aspects. But then I think the other hand is we really need to just look at weight stigma and fat phobia and, it, and, and put those two hand in hand, right? And just seeing the experience that people have, lived experience, right, of, of folks and, and seeing how deep weight stigma goes is really powerful. I mean, like I talk to people about like, you know, sort of like and ask some general questions like, why do you think people want to lose weight? And it seems like almost all the time, my the answers I get are like to fit in or to be accepted or you know mm-hmm. to go to 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 be attractive or whatever. So it's really understanding how how dominant weight stigma is in our world. 
Now, you say you're not an expert, but I am captivated by you. <laughs> and the answers that you provide, I mean, it's so clear and concise. And I, I don't want to backtrack, but I think we've dropped so many great resources for people that I just mm-hmm. want to call attention to. Yeah. Um, so, so far, Aaron has mentioned, obviously, the intuitive eating book, body respect book, anti-diet, which he's quoted in, and the Be Nourished website to learn more about body trust and what that actually means. Am I missing anything? I'm making a list of all your resources. <laughs> um, I mean, I did, I, I mentioned Jess Baker who wrote yes. Land Whale and Things No One Tells a Fat Girl. I think that's the name of her first book, but I, I can't be 100% sure. Amazing, thank you. you Got to keep the show notes accurate. Yes, yes. <laughs> we, have to, we have to make sure. Yeah, yes. no, I hear as, you. As you know, as you know. But no, I think, and, and as Jenna said, I know, you know, I think our, our dietitian brains, when we come up in the weight loss or weight centric space, let's say, we're trained to be the nutrition experts, right? <laughs> the know-it-alls. And so I think as you shift paradigms, like I remember being on a call with Evelyn Triboli and she was like, I'm not an expert. And she's like teaching intuitive eating, like the book that she wrote. And I was like, girl, you're an expert, right? But that's us like learning from them. But I think in this new, not new, in this paradigm, we're taught like our clients are the expert of their body. We're just here to work with them and to help them trust their internal wisdom Mm -hmm. and continuously learn and grow. And so I, I, I totally see where you're coming from there, but I have to agree with Jenna in this stance you, you have a lot of knowledge. So I hope there's no imposter syndrome going on there, buddy, because you are killing it. Well, now it's like you talk to the pitcher during the no hitter. And now I'm just going to fuck up the rest of the time. (laughs) No can do. No can do. I mean, we've covered such a wide variety of topics so far. The only other question that I have, and I think you mentioned before we started recording about your daughter, um, and how do you how do you translate this information to a young female growing up in this world? And how do you impart this wisdom and this education onto her or all children? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have twins, uh, boy and a girl. Oh, um, so to both of them. <laughs> to both of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, one is. Um, just to acknowledge being a dietitian and a parent are two different things. Mm. Um, and I don't want to be my kid's dietitian. I don't want to be my partner's dietitian. Um, so, you know, I want to leave all of this at home at mm. work. Right. I don't want to bring this home to them. And right. I want them to grow up being confident in in their skin and their body and and all those things um it, it, and it's really hard like it's hard for anyone um and i i just it's it's really it's really friggin' hard um there is so much um like bullshit weight centered education that subtly happens from a very early age. Like I remember seeing like workbooks in my kids, um, like math 
workbook right around like diet questions like oh so and so wants to lose weight so they want to eat 100 less calories how much is this minus 100 right like trying to teach math but like it's a diet question and i'm like why do we have a diet question here or why are we you know um so i mean there's things that are subtle all the time um and i think the best we can do as parents is to model what we, you know, the behavior that we sort of want or see in ourselves. Right. So it's like, I mean, I think the reason or my hope is that um, by me doing a lot of my own work um, will helpfully benefit my kids. Right. It doesn't just benefit me. It benefits my kids. So, you know, that, that looks like not, you know, not body shaming myself, right? Not saying, oh, I got to put on a swimsuit and, and, oh, doesn't this, I hate how this makes me look or whatever, right? Um, it's um, not saying like I had a good day or a bad day around food. It's normalizing all foods. It's um, trying to, you know, help each individual child um, develop their own relationship with food that is consistent with them um you know i think and i think overall as they get older um it the number one thing is making sure that they know that this house is a safe space to unpack all of the stuff that they're dealing with and that they don't have to come and talk to me or 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 my or their mom right they can but that but that when they do this is a safe space mm -hmm. to be really vulnerable and scared, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so this is the house that we can feel all those feelings, right? And start to like process them and sit with them and name them. So, you know, they know what I do. They're very, you know, I'm, I, you know, there's no, there's, so they know, um, they know diet culture and they know, you know, um, when a Weight Watchers com ad comes on, why, <laughs> I get pissed or change the channel. Um, you know, they, they, they know like when they look at their own social media, like why, you know, why does this person have to talk about losing weight? Um, and they can, I'm, I'm going to make room for them to struggle, right. To assume that just because I'm a dietitian and doing this work doesn't mean that they're not allowed to have their own struggles. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. I've had, I can't tell you the amount of times I've had a, a parent call in and say, you know, you know, Johnny needs to lose weight. Right. And, you know, I don't want Johnny to go on the same path that I've struggled with my weight or I'm, you know, I don't eat carbs, but I want Johnny to eat carbs. But, and you, you see that sometimes reflection, not that it's always the parent, right? Because mm -hmm. of course there's media and there's medical professionals and there's math questions on calories and right. <laughs> there's so many things but i think you hit the nail on the head of just being like modeling that behavior of how you treat yourself you know your, yeah. your kids will pick up on that and it's so powerful but i think you know i think a lot of parents probably do need to do their own work before they start talking to their kid about food and body yes you know and and like when i hear a parent say that, right? I just don't want them to suffer the same thing. I was like, yes. I and guess what? We can't protect them from weight stigma and fat phobia. Yeah. 
And so what we can do is teach them a different way, right? To try to, to acknowledge the external and not internalize it. Yes. Yes. And I think a lot of times with those parents, when they, like, when I was straddling paradigms, I'd be like, okay, like I'll work with Johnny and I'll help him. And then you realize that if you're not working with the parent, yeah, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to start inward first. And I think that comes down to our paradigm shifting too. I think we see all these things on social media. If we're in the social media space, you see all the things and it gets overwhelming. I know Jenna and I will text each other. Like, did you see that? You know, this person, this person, it's like, okay, let's take a breath, right? Oh, let's start here. Let's just, what can we do to make our, our footprint in this space? And, um, it, it can get overwhelming when we're looking at other people's journeys and, and what they're putting on social. Of course. It's so interesting too, because I'm definitely, I think it's no secret now. Why don't we just say it? But you know, this podcast pushed me to completely change everything that, you know, I was doing and I was never 100% weight loss only, but my practice was built on bullshit. (laughs) Um, And after just continuing this work here, it's pushed 100%. I start Wednesday with um, my first intuitive eating course. And so I'm just like honored by every guest that we have on here. So grateful for Sam. She knows that I don't want to start crying. Um, But every time I hear like, Aaron, I'm so captivated by you. And to know, I think the most important thing that the message that was resounding in this episode as well is it's, to continuously be a learner and to always know that you can begin again and like you can continue to switch and to push and like follow your heart and help people join you in Mm -hmm. that path. And so I think you said that so beautifully today, just by leading by example and just explaining everything that you have. And so, I mean, I'm so grateful for this conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. And so we love to, I know we might not have a cocktail today, but (laughs) we do usually, this Monday was just a train wreck. So thank you for bearing with. Um, We usually like to leave our listeners with, we call it our nutrition tipsy. So the tipsy of the day. So, and it doesn't have to be one thing, but if Mm -hmm. you had to leave the listeners today with like one overall message, if they had one takeaway that they were going to remember, what would you want it to be? Metallica is really the greatest. Um, no. Um, okay. Um, you can do multiple. It could be like three. No, no. I, two, I think one. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to like try to get it concise. I think. Um, I think it's important for folks to know that their body's not broken, and that you know diet culture has sold you a lie um and they've done a really good job of it and they've sold you this lie that your body is not something that you can trust and that you need someone else you need some sort of plan you need some written direction on how to feed yourself and that's not correct is that your body's not broken your body is amazingly resilient and has shown up for you every day and getting rid of and, and, and breaking free of diet culture and, and rejecting it is really scary. 
and it can be done and you just need maybe someone to help you along with that process, but your body's not broken. And, and, you know, it's time to stop blaming yourself for all of these things. You went on a diet probably because it wasn't consensual at all. You were forced on it or you were put on a diet maybe at an early age. Um, and, and now you get to consent to how you want to treat your body. Mm -hmm. That's like the perfect cherry on top for this episode. So tell everybody where they can stalk you, please. <laughs> All the places. My address is. No. Um, um, so I'm on, yeah, I'm on, my, my podcast is called Dietitians Unplugged. Um, and I co-host it with Glennis Oyston and we've been doing it for God, like five years now. Um, we're not, you know, super, we do an episode a month, so it's, you know, not overwhelming, but, um, but you can check me out there. Um, my website is, um, smashthewaitriarchy.com and um, my Instagram is at Aaron Flores RDN and you know like I said I don't post that much but like when I have groups um, I will post there and when I have podcast episodes I'll post there so um, those are probably the best ways and through my website you can email me awesome awesome well thank you so much for your time Aaron sharing your amazing wisdom with the world well thanks for having me on Enjoy your vacation. Thank you. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there, and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.